0: Welcome to Ruling Sports, a podcast giving you a playbook for life. I'm your host, Alicia Jessup. Join me as I interview athletes, leaders, and innovators to uncover their game plans for success and give you insights to rule your life. Let the play clock begin. Does the thought of networking stress you out? How about small talk with strangers? Or pitching yourself as a worthy candidate for a job or sponsorship? If these are worries you've felt, you're in the right place today. That's because we are joined by communication expert Jen Mueller, who is going to give us actionable tools that will not only help you overcome these hurdles, but be able to talk to anyone. A broadcaster for over two decades, Jen is currently the Seattle Seahawks radio sideline reporter and a member of the Seattle Mariners television broadcast team on Root Sports. She is the founder of Talk Sporty to Me, a company that provides training and consultation for business and personal communications, the author of a book also by the same name, Talk Sporty to Me, and a second book, The Influential Conversationalist, Jen helps individuals gain accessible, easily applicable tools to become more effective communicators. A multi-sport high school athlete, Jen has been navigating the male-dominated sport landscape since college, when she became a high school football official in Texas. She tells us how she has built a successful career in the face of oftentimes being the only woman in the room. In this episode, Jen shares her expertise and experience to give athletes insights on how to be an interesting interviewee and utilize the media to grow their personal brands, Highlight for athletes how they can use communication and media engagement to strengthen fans affinity and fandom for them. Provide listeners with an applicable strategy for how they can communicate their value to decision makers and explain how we all can optimize networking from a conversation lens. I've worked in media for over a decade. And I left this episode feeling like it was a masterclass in communication. You're going to take away new skills that you can immediately put to use to become a better communicator and get you closer to achieving your personal goals. So now join me in welcoming the incredible Jen Mueller to the Ruling Sports Podcast. Jen, welcome to the Ruling Sports Podcast. You are such a fascinating, talented,
1: multifaceted person. I can't wait to talk to you today. I will come on as many times as you would like with an intro like that. Thank you. It's very well deserved.
0: What goal, quote, or mindset has guided your life?
1: Gosh, I think that truly, if I had to pinpoint things, it is just being stubborn and naive enough to believe that something great is going to happen tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. that something great could be everything from, I'm going to get a parking spot at the facility when I show up, to I'm going to get to hug one of my former players that made an impact on me and that I know I made an impact on their lives. I've always wanted to be in the position of giving people a platform to tell their stories, Before I went into broadcasting, I really thought I was going to be a teacher. And I think teaching does that. I think when you equip people with skills, you empower them to be able to go out and be their best version of themselves. I see that still as my role as a sports broadcaster. And I do think having a competitive background as a high school athlete and a high school football official, I can't let go of being like stubborn and competitive and just fighting for whatever is going to come next.
0: Oh, that's so good. And it's cool hearing that you wanted to be a teacher because as we'll get to with the company you founded, you are a teacher now. So you've excelled at sport broadcasting, but you're also sharing your knowledge and gifts with others. I love the call out of naivety because sometimes when we get into things, I remember when I started in sport media, I founded this website that we're all at now called Ruling Sports. And I was so fearless. I would like get a hold of Kenny Chesney's publicist email and email them without batting an eye, where sometimes I think if we're in it for too long, we kind of know the rules of the
1: game and we don't take those risks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when once you get to a certain level where you've had success and you've got credentials and you can look and see what you've done, the risk feels so much greater. Mm -hmm. When the truth is, I and you are more equipped to deal with whatever life or business throws at us now, but you're right. We do see all of the potential things that could go wrong, or before we didn't even know that that was possible to go wrong, right? And I'm a massive overthinker and a massive planner, but there's just some things now that feel like such a big risk. And I have to remind myself No, no, no. I I am in a better position financially. I'm in a better position with contacts, uh, with what I know, with the skill set I've developed. But yeah, you need to maintain some level of being naive. Otherwise, I mean, if I would have known all the things and the twists and the turns or how long it would have taken or I wouldn't have done it from the beginning it pays to not know those things. Right.
0: Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of like having children. I, I mean, this might be TMI for our male listeners, but sometimes I'm like, if women really knew what went into having a baby, would we have 7 billion people on this planet. So it, it's fascinating just the naivety and the risk. I think that's such a good call out. And I, I love it for myself because I've been wading through that. What sport did you play in high school?
1: Oh, I played them all because I went to a small Lutheran school, but basketball was my big one. But we went from, it was volleyball to basketball to softball track, and then I would swim during the summer. So that was before, call out for my age, that was before you really specialized in things. But each one of those sports, I had varying levels of talent and interest, and each one of them taught me something different. What position did you play in basketball? I was a power forward. I started all four years in high school and I am 5'4 and I have been 5'4 since I was a freshman in high school. So um, I was also the most aggressive power forward you have ever seen in the paint uh, to make up for my lack of size. Yes.
0: Wow. Well, we'll have to get some film. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> you mentioned your sports officiating career. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, I got to college, knew that I wasn't a good enough athlete to be a collegiate athlete, but I still had that competitive fire. So the intramural supervisors came by and said, hey, this is a great way to get involved with things on campus, Uh, you wanna be an official. And I thought, sure, I thought I was going to officiate basketball because it was the sport that was my best sport and that I was most familiar with. And football season came around first. And so they give you a call and they get you out there. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is not like I don't this is not they're like, nope, just give it two weeks. And if you don't like it, you can quit. The first week, I will admit, was a little bit much. The second week, the beginning of it, I did not love it, but I don't quit things very easily. And by the end of that second week, I had fallen in love with it. So I was an All-American flag football official in college. And then I spent 10 years as a football official in the high school ranks, starting in Texas and then continuing up here in Washington.
0: Wow. And you, you were one of the only women to reach that level, right?
1: Yes, now I am so happy to see so many females that are officiating college and NFL games. Back then, you know, they were moving through the ranks, right? It takes a long time to get to that level, just like anything else. But it was, uh, it was often me and a group of, I don't know, 200 men at our meetings. When we would have weekly meetings, it was me trying not to be seen as a woman on the field. Which is hard. And that's actually what everything in my career was in those early days. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but back then you didn't have long hair. You put your hair in a ponytail. It was really, I mean, they specifically said it would be best if people don't recognize that you're here. And I don't just say that from an officiating standpoint of if the officials become the story, we've got a big problem, right? I mean, the entire, I don't know, first five, 10 years that I was, both officiating and in TV, the thought was just try not to be seen. Wow. Just just try not to cause any problems. Just try not to, to draw attention to the fact that you're a woman.
0: You know, it's kind of, I've heard other people say in these types of situations, it's almost like you have a guest pass or a day pass to come play around, but you're really not
1: welcome necessarily. Yeah. You know, and I say people, I I tell people all the time, women were allowed to do sports, but I wasn't really encouraged to, right? The messaging was, go try it. Uh, You'll be lucky if you last a year or two. And that was from everybody. I mean, everybody said that. Professors, people that were in the industry, friends. I mean, everybody said that. So it, it did feel like that, but I think that's where being competitive and naive and stubborn, work to my advantage because I didn't know how long it was going to take. And I didn't know how long I was going to last. And I didn't know if there was going to be an opportunity after this one, but I just couldn't let it go. I also understand this. It is a much different environment now than when I got into sports. And I understand why There was that prevalent feeling and messaging when I got into sports 20 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. There was a huge transition and change going on. And transition and change is not easy for anybody. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see that at the time, right? It felt very personal to me, and it was. But looking back now, I understand kind of where we were on the spectrum of change. Mm -hmm. And now when I walk into a locker room or clubhouse, my guys do not know what it's like not to have. A woman in the sidelines, a woman in the locker room, a woman anchoring sports centers, like they don't know what that's like. So it's a complete 180, but you had to go through that period where it just, you know, it was, was, uh, those are the character building moments, I think is how we put that, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's the liminal space. It's the, we don't know what's going to happen and you're blazing a trail. So, So you mentioned we're going through a period of change. I'm assuming what you're referencing is- Women were beginning to enter these spaces. Would that be
1: correct? Yes, and there was more of us. I mean, it, it was a long time where I would be the only one that was in a locker room. Now that's not the case. Uh, when I first started doing sidelines for the Seahawks, I was the only female that traveled, and mm-hmm. now there are women in the training room and on the medical staff and as part of the nutrition team. And so, like, it's not that uncommon, but there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of early days there where. Um, it was me and a bunch of dudes
0: that listen, men are awesome, but that, that can
1: get lonely when there's nobody like you. Yes. Yeah. And you're always trying to figure out if you're making the right step or the wrong step. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have a great relationship with All of the men that I have worked with who have championed me and encouraged me and really been there and just allowed me to step into larger roles and do that. But yeah, it does get lonely because there are certain things where you're like, man, did I, am I overthinking this or did this question come out wrong or did I just offend this person or like, should I not have said that or should I wait? You know, there's a lot of overthinking that happens here. So what attracted you to
0: sport media in particular?
1: Well, I have to give credit to my high school guidance counselor who suggested that I look into broadcasting in the first place. Um, Her comment: we already mentioned that I wanted to be a teacher. Her comment was, well, you know, you like to talk and you're not afraid to talk in front of people. So maybe broadcasting would be something that would fit for you. Uh, I thought it was the most ridiculous suggestion in the world because who knew a broadcaster? I mean, like that was (laughs) 25 plus years. Like who, who even knew where to start? But once I decided to pursue sports or broadcasting, sports was just the most interesting thing to me. And again, as somebody who was a sports fan and who had played sports, that was where my passion was. That to me was the best kind of storytelling. That was the entertainment piece that people were looking for and I understand and I spoke that language. So to me, that was a natural fit and I made sure that I worked in the athletic department, the intramural department, sports departments, all sorts of things.
0: Do you want exclusive insights from your favorite athletes, sport industry leaders, and innovators delivered straight to your inbox? Subscribe today to The Ruling Sports Newsletter. The Ruling Sports Newsletter cuts the mystery out of success by bringing you leadership tools, entrepreneurial strategies, business insights, and wellness tips straight from some of the world's most positively impactful people. So go to rulingsports.com today And subscribe for free. So I know you went to college at Southern Methodist. Did you grow up in Texas?
1: Mostly, yep. I was born in Louisiana, spent high school years in Houston, and then went to school in Dallas at SMU. Yep.
0: Awesome. So you've talked to us about your love for sharing people's stories and how that kind of transitioned from a desire to be a teacher to a broadcaster. At this point that we're talking, You've spent over two decades in this really impressive media career, most recently doing radio for the Seattle Seahawks and television for the Seattle Mariners. When you think of everyone you've interviewed from coaches, athletes, team owners, executives, is there someone who stands out as just being super polished and a great conversationalist?
1: There's a number of guys that I have really enjoyed talking to, but I will tell you the common thread between all of them is that they have life experience and they have they have ups and downs to draw from you know every year when you draft the new young rookies and you know that they're going to be good right and you know that that you can see potential and they're exciting and everybody wants to talk to them and i love talking to the new guys but those conversations are really short They Mm -hmm. haven't lived enough life. Right. Even Mm -hmm. if they are a top five draft pick, you just haven't lived enough life yet. I want somebody with life experience and perspective. Give me the vet that Mm -hmm. has been around for 10 years. Give me the person who did not have the easiest path to get into sports because their life perspective makes for such an interesting conversation. And they can talk about so many things. I will also say this, my best conversationalists are people who have more than one interest. Mm. And I say this in the context of baseball versus football. And And I wanna be very clear. I love all of my guys, right? This is not a knock on any of them. But if you think about baseball and what happens when you specialize in baseball from the time that you are in Little League, you play baseball, 12 months out of the year. You don't get to go on family vacations during the summer because it's travel ball. You don't get to do any other sport or any other activity in school because you're always at the field. Compare that to my football guys. You cannot play football 12 months out of the year. Most of these guys participated in another sport. All of them went to college. Whether they went to class or not, it does not matter. That is a different life experience and perspective. They have traveled, they have done things, the conversations with them. And it might surprise some people to know they're really different. They're very broad compared Hmm. to baseball, which is, again, this is not a right, wrong, good, bad. They're just a more focused conversation if you haven't had a chance to explore new things.
0: I feel like you might have, I don't know if this was your intention or not, but you might have just solved a huge problem for Major League Baseball. So MLB kind of has this marketing problem. This is one of the most exciting eras of Major League Baseball. You have some of the greatest players in history competing in the league. They're not getting marketing deals. And it might be because what you just said, they haven't had time to build their full persona by living life
1: outside of baseball. And it's not to say that they don't have great personalities or that they don't have great stories. We pull those out of them all the time. But Mm -hmm. most of them are baseball-related stories. This is such a
0: good alarm or wake-up call that this podcast exists to give athletes a playbook for life beyond the game. And we really want to target college-age athletes in this NIL era. If you're listening to this, what Jen's telling you is build your full self, The more you can build your full self and find interest outside of your sport, excel in your sport too. But the more that you can find interest, the more in demand you're going to be with the media and interesting.
1: Yes. And I would also say, I think there are so many athletes that are giving you a playbook right now. Again, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, it was taboo to talk about what you wanted to do after sports, because it meant that you weren't as dialed in as you should be. Now, every single guy in my Seahawks locker room has a plan for what happens when their career ends. In Hmm. fact, I do training sessions with our rookie classes coming in. And I said, look, you and I have something in common. You and I do not get to have one career our entire lives. At some Mm -hmm. point, I am going to be past the point of being on TV, right? I've always been preparing for my next career. And for them, I say exactly what, what you just said, right? Make sure that you've got something to say and I will interview you. And when I interview you, people are going to listen and pay attention. That is your first foot in the door for building trust and interest and getting folks to think, you know what? I wonder, I wonder if he'd be great to work with my company or to sponsor this deal or to be the spokesperson for this. Absolutely. Yep.
0: That is so great. And Jen has incredible resources, both on her website. She's really active on LinkedIn as well. We will share both of those in the show notes, but one YouTube video that you posted, I I just loved. you talked about Building strong personal brands and the difference between a cheering interest and a rooting interest. We want to build a rooting interest because when someone is rooting for us actively, it means that they're invested in our story and they want to see it unfold. Is there anything I can do related to what we were just talking about that can help me build a more rooting interest from those people who are tuning into
1: your TV show, are tuning into the radio show? Well, I think the biggest thing is just show who you are as a person, right? And there's one easy way that all of us can do this, right? And and let me also just take this one step further, the cheering versus rooting interest. All I have to do is want my team to win and I will cheer for that win, Right. But when I have a rooting interest, I have a personal interest in seeing that wide receiver, that quarterback, that running back, that linebacker. I have a rooting interest in you as a human being to see you have a great game. Okay, so that's the difference. It's passion. It's being invested and it's being engaged. Part of this is I have to know who you are as a person. It's why I structure interview questions the way that I do, to tap into some kind of emotion so that you can give me the hook that makes Mm -hmm. you real. Here's how all of us can practice this. And it's by giving a specific and strategic response to the question, how are you? Which you know that you're going to get, I don't know, dozens of times a day, right? And normally- What happens? I would say, hey, how are you? And you say, I'm good. Great. And then you would probably ask me, how am I? And I'd say, great. And then we sit there and we look at each other, right? And we're hoping, a lot of us, especially if you are not a fan of small talk, Right. A lot of us look at that and we're waiting for a spark. And then if we're not a fan of small talk, we walk away and go, see, that was a waste of my time. Here's the waste of time. The waste of time is not giving a real answer to the question. How are you? That Mm -hmm. is the moment the conversation starts. And if you are strategic in your response, and I say, give a success statement, right? So I want to tell somebody something that I am proud of that matches the relationship I have with them. Okay. So My success, if I am talking to my manager at work, is I'm great. I'm ahead of schedule for the show that's due on Friday. That's it. Now, if he wants to ask, oh, great, what's in the show? Or why are you ahead? Awesome. If not, does not matter. I've planted the seed that I've done something that benefits him. If I'm meeting somebody at a networking event, I'm awesome. I was just on this podcast and I really love talking about empowering people with conversation. Great. I just gave you what I'm passionate about. Now you can follow up. We can have a conversation. If I'm talking to my girlfriends, it might be, I'm really proud of the fact I didn't have a brownie for breakfast today and I didn't skip (laughs) my workout, right? Like I can match the audience, but we keep hoping that somebody is going to ask us the question that like sparks that conversation that's on us. Mm -hmm. And so if we practice having a more strategic, engagement in small talk, we become more interesting. We become easier to talk to. And when you are easier to talk to, guess what people are gonna talk to you. And that's where this whole thing starts.
0: Oh, I love this. And there's so much goodness to unpack there. If you're interesting, people want to talk to you. Now, if you're an athlete, listen, I, I, Alicia Jessup, am an introvert. I could be put on a deserted island tomorrow and be living my best life. But I understand the power of media, and I understand the power of talking to people. And you, as an athlete, have far greater power than I do. If the reporter isn't asking the right question, sometimes that happens. So Some, yeah. sometimes even reporters don't ask the right questions. You need to come in with an agenda and a strategy and get the message you need to share out. So that's one, two. How are you? So what one follow-up question I want to ask on that, Jen. I love that. I love you taking onus and responsibility for being interesting. What's the response to that usually? Are people throttled?
1: So there's a couple of things. Number one, if they didn't have time for the conversation and they didn't care, you weren't going to change their mind with that response anyway, right? So you have to know that the response is either going to be a follow-up or not a follow-up. And you still have maximized the 15 seconds that you get. And I say this knowing that this is how I have built a network of people. This is how Roger Goodell emailed me back. This is how I get on the radar of a lot of folks. They don't have a lot of time. They're either going to ask me a follow-up question and be interested or not. But I can walk away knowing that I did my best to plant a seed for something in the future. Now, when you think about these conversations, it needs to match your audience, right? So if you're talking about an athlete and you bump into your coach on campus or in the weight room and your coach says, hey, how are you? You can say, great. I just maxed out. At the weight I was try, I've been trying to get to all year, or you know, I feel really confident about that new uh, kick step that I'm working on. I-, I can't wait for you to see it at practice. Right? You're not coming in and saying, you know, I just landed this job that pays me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I'm going to be able to pay off my loans and a bit right. Like we're just talking about one sentence. It's probably going to get like a oh well, that's cool, right? Like, tell me more about that. Or why would you have done that? Or, you know, why was that the way you were maxing out at? And again, don't be afraid if they go, huh, and then walk away. I I love it. I I love it because
0: it requires us to take personal responsibility. I love the success statements. Um, One thing I'm big on is gratitude. Maybe a practice you can adopt daily is Think about the people you come into contact with most on a daily basis, coaches, professors, girlfriend, boyfriend, mom, dad, come up in the morning with the success statement that you can share for each of them.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you can have the same one for groups of people, right? We don't need to have like 25. I generally have like two that I'm going to go to that I know those are things that are worth talking about because it's either furthering my brand It's planting the seed for a potential client to hire me, or it's just making sure that the people I work for and with know that I am on top of things and trying to make their job easier.
0: So as Jen mentioned, when she was young, she wanted to be a teacher. She became a successful sport broadcaster. But as I mentioned, she's now teaching again because she's the founder of a company called Talk Sporty to Me. She's also written multiple books, one of which is called The Influential Conversationalist. Can you tell us why you're so good at this? People might be listening and be like, wow, Alicia, where did you find this amazing person (laughs) that can just drop this knowledge into the
1: pod? Well, thank you for that. I think it all goes back to how I got into the business and when I say a success statement is maximizing 15 seconds, when I first started to either launch my business or try to find a job in sports, I was never guaranteed a full conversation. What I was guaranteed was somebody would sit there and listen to an introduction. And I they, they might placate me by hopping on a call, but they weren't actually going to do anything to help me, right? Like to them... All they were going to do was check the box of one email or one phone call. That's okay. I get it. But what I knew I was guaranteed in each one of those conversations was 15 seconds. I mm-hmm. knew that that introduction was going to be my chance to maximize that. When you work in TV in particular, my conversations are measured in seconds, not minutes. Mm-hmm. So when every second counts, because they will literally cut you off and go to commercial break, like this is not, you don't get to fudge this, right? Right. You start to realize how to truly maximize every single second you have in an interaction and then being able to break it down. We talk so much about effective communication. Yeah, that's great. But it doesn't mean that you say the same thing over and over and over again, right? More isn't better. We need to be strategic. And I have to be in my role to make sure that an athlete gets their message out to the audience.
0: And it's an interesting message because to your point, people are changing the channels. Our attention spans are shorter than ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it does pay to have a plan when you're going in and getting back to something that you said, right? Know your messaging and direct people to that messaging because that's your time, right? This, this is your chance. And it's on the cover of that book. but. Actually, it's on the cover of the previous book, I think. Um, You know, one conversation can change the course of your career, but it's probably not the one you think. Hmm. Like, we always think about... The one that changes it is the one where you sign the contract or you get the signing bonus or you get a raise or you get a new job or you become a tenured professor, right? All of those things are absolutely life-changing. But if you go backwards and you figure out where that relationship started or how you landed on somebody's radar to begin with, it was a conversation you probably didn't think twice about. And I promise you it started with small talk.
0: Okay, we, we could go on for days here, but one thing I want you to think about related to all the gems of wisdom Jen is dropping this also applies to dating. So you can take everything she's saying and you can apply it to dating. Think about how many messages you've sent on the apps that are like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? And the person's like, not much, good.
1: And then it just ends. <laughs> Yes. Yes. But if you force yourself to be interesting, now you're benefiting two people, right? Yeah. Now yeah, we can engage. Them. And now people are seeing who
0: you are. And we can get the marriage rate back up. The the marriage rate in America has dropped to I think an all-time low. If not an all-time low, like the lowest rate for a very, very long time. So Jen, you're you're giving a lot of gifts here. Hey everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe and review ruling sports on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service. It goes a long way to growing the show. Thank you for your support. Now we we need to be interesting. We need to come in with a plan. A lot of people are so afraid to network because to the point of small talk, they're coming into this room. They might not know anybody. And they've got to strike up a conversation. Any tips for how to optimize networking from a conversation lens?
1: Yes. Since we are on a podcast that is specifically directed towards athletes and sports, use sports always, every single time. And people go, well, what happens if I don't know if they're a sports fan or not? I don't care because this question will cut to the chase and prevent a game of 20 questions. I would ask this Did you see the game last night? Or, are you watching the Seahawks game this week? The answer is yes or no. And I don't care quite honestly what the answer is, but what it gives me is the path I'm going to take. If you say, yes, I was watching the game last night. Great. We can talk about the game. If you say, no, I didn't watch the game. Now I can say, oh, what were you up to? Which is a whole lot more casual than saying, what were you doing last night? (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that gets weird and creepy. And then if I'm trying to guess what's happening in your world and I could guess, well, are you getting ready for finals? Did you sign up for classes? Did you get the classes that you wanted? Are you going out this weekend? Did you try the new re- Like I can play 20 questions, but that's where it gets really awkward. Use sports to your advantage. If you are in a room and there is a game on TV, I don't care if you are paying attention to Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I don't care. But you- not the dog,
0: Cincinnati and
1: Pittsburgh. Right, right. But I'm saying that as somebody who's on the West Coast, right? But you know what that does? Think about sports adjacent topics. If you don't want to talk about the sports that's being played or the teams that are on the field or players you don't know about, have you visited Cincinnati or Pittsburgh? What is the food that you know is most popular there? Do you have any other vacations planned? What are the cities you'd like to go to? Sports started that conversation. But sports is not what you ended up talking about. So I would always go back to sports.
0: It's such an incredible anchor. And I I love how you explained, maybe you don't know what the stat line was for that game. Maybe you cannot name a player. But there are things rooted in sport that you can launch your conversation off to. Jen, this has been so fun. We could talk for days. One thing I want to ask you about, though, real quick is you recently launched an incredible new series called I Cook, You Measure. And one thing I love about this is it just shows range and it shows you can create new opportunities as you move through your career. Can you tell us about the show and how it came about?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a show where I cook with athletes in my kitchen. And we pair it with Washington Wine, and it is a very organic conversation that is sometimes about sports, Sometimes it is truly cooking instruction because some of my athletes do not know how to use a knife or do anything in the kitchen. Others are super accomplished and very proud to show their skill set and expand. But it is a very different type of conversation. Conversation that I have with them. And it was a girlfriend. We were on a flight. It was a Mariners Charter flight, and we were having a glass of wine. And she said, You know, you post a lot of stuff, as everybody did during the pandemic of cooking. And she said, You know, I think you could do something with that. Mm -hmm. And so we're spitballing, and I'm not really thinking anything of it. That was last September. By the end of September I had taped my first episode. I was just counting today. I have taped 16 episodes of the show, 12 of them have dropped and the next four will be in season three. So yeah, it was just kind of a seed of an idea and I thought, I know how to do TV like I, I could do something. I could have a conversation like I think I could do this. but it is so different and it does require me to step outside my comfort zone to be to be in that space, but it's been a fun opportunity to grow.
0: But what I love about your background is you consistently find ways to take your passions, your knowledge bases, and spin them into new opportunities that meet the moment. I I think that's such a great example, not just for college athletes, but frankly, everyone. A lot of people are miserable in their jobs. You have the power to create your dream reality. And if you need inspiration, Jen's your person. So how can listeners keep up with you?
1: Well, the website is TalkSportyToMe.com. That's where you can find me on the socials. All of the I Cook, You Measure series are on my YouTube channel. You can find all of that linked around. And if you've got specific questions, the email is on the website as well, but that's super super easy. Jen, J-E-N, at TalkSportyToMe.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for being such a great leader to follow in the sport industry and beyond. Good luck this NFL season, and we'll be keeping up with you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you gained wisdom that will help you rule your life. Let's stay connected on social media. We're at Ruling Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at rulingsports.com and email me your thoughts about the show at alicia@rulingsports.com. at If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review the show And join us next time.